Well, hello, I'm Doug Apple, back with another special interview for you today. And I had a conversation with someone recently. The person was saying that, you know, when it's later in the evening and you start to feel grouchy or you start to feel like you'll eat anything rather than having control or you'll watch anything, listen to anything rather than having control and you think, wow, it's just because I'm tired. Uh, This person said, you know, that's not a coincidence. That's a strategy. The enemy has a strategy and is just waiting around the corner for you to get tired, for you to get hungry, for you to feel grouchy, and then starts hitting you up. We're talking about spiritual warfare. We're especially talking about spiritual warfare against young people. And we have Mark Geppert in the studio with us. He has a seminar coming up. This is Friday, so it starts tonight and then runs into tomorrow at Tallahassee Christian College and Training Center, which you can find more information at tcctc.org. But uh, Mark, you're here with us. And this idea of it being a strategy, there are a lot of things happening that we'll write off to being, well, the young people are weird these days or, you know, they just don't even believe in God anymore or whatever. But this is not just a coincidence. This is just not a movement of culture. This is a strategy in spiritual warfare. And that means that we need to have an an opposing strategy. So I'm going to turn it over to Mark Geppert. Take it away. A couple of things, basic thoughts that, that live in my world is, first of all, I do not say that the generation has been given to the devil. That thought has no place in my thinking. We abdicated. We took the Bible and prayer out of their world. 90% of educable children in America attend public schools. And in 1962, with no outcry that I can recall, no outcry that I can find in history, no counter cases, no counter lawsuits, nothing, it was decided that the word of God, the truth, that was the anchor for faith and for culture, that word that was accepted, that established behaviors, that established our social norms, that established our our ethics— That word was removed from the lives of 90% of educable children in the United States of America. And not only that, Doug, the ability to talk to God, even in using the scriptures, Matthew, using the scripture, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's the word of God, man. That's not just a prayer. It certainly is not a ritual. It certainly is not superstition. It was removed. So you could not talk to him, and you could not hear from him. So why wouldn't you conclude he wasn't there? Mm -hmm. Now, I was in the transition group. I was 13 years old when that happened. And I've watched my generation and the outcomes as a result of it. And their kids, our kids, there's no Bible reading in the school. Mm -hmm. There's no Bible. So if we didn't pick it up at home— Mm-hmm. It didn't get picked up, brother. Mm-hmm. And as a pastor and in the life of the church, these kids get delegated to a rookie. Somebody coming just out of school who has not lived through life's challenges, and the parents abdicate their position of training up a child in the way they should go, abdicate 
to somebody just just right out of Bible college or right out of who hasn't lived it. Mm-hmm. Man, I tell you, it's a it's not a conquering by the enemy. It's a surrender by the Christianity. Now, in in my adult life, I've worked uh, in many many nations. I worked in twenty six nations behind the iron curtain, behind the bamboo curtain. But of course, today you don't even want to know what they are. So China, Russia, Mongolia, uh, working on the Trans-Siberian Railway, delivering Bibles to hungry Bible students in universities in Siberia, in universities in Moscow, uh, young people who were denied the word of God, who were denied Christian expression. Stalin said he would eliminate Christianity in Russia in a generation. Well, Stalin is on a rotisserie somewhere, and and the, Jesus is alive and well in in Russia. And so, all the while, I thought about America. I thought, man, these kids are. The, the, they don't have the word. Now, God bless our churches, and they do the best they can. But uh, my goodness, the majority are unchurched, and they don't want to hear about church. They don't want to hear about religion. They still want to hear about Jesus. We can see it in stadiums. We can see it on university campuses. We can see it in high schools. They're hungry for Jesus, mm-hmm. you see? So what we're teaching in this seminar, and it's tonight and then uh, tomorrow through the day, what we're teaching at this seminar is to see the spot where you can inject the word in the culture of your home, in the culture of your community, in the culture of your school. You see, thought becomes word. Word becomes deed. Deed becomes behavior. Behavior, when repeated, becomes habit. Mm-hmm. That means you do it without thinking about it anymore, mm-hmm. right? And habit is synonymous with the word Ethics. Ethics are the social norm, written or unwritten, that determine the values of a culture. So where we are today among young people in America is they're searching for ethical norm. Somebody tell me something that keeps my parents together. Somebody tell me something that gives me the power to say no to things that could kill me. There could be fentanyl in a lollipop. Doug, they live in a very perilous environment. We as Christians have within us the word and the spirit of God, which can make a light and a lamp for their feet. Mm -hmm. The question is, will we abdicate or will we step up and play a role in their lives? And I tell you, When we decide that we're going to be at that concert, we're going to find out who that neighbor kid is and be at their basketball game. We're going to let them see us. We're going to take the time to congratulate that child. Maybe bump a fist, maybe shake a hand. We are going to become an identifiable part of their environment so that they know we're there. The spirit in that child sent from God will witness to the spirit in us sent from God. Bonds will be formed and revival will occur in us and new life in them. And the reason I'm so adamant about it, Doug, is I do it every day. Fifth grade basketball, eighth grade basketball, junior high basketball. Now the sun is shining. It's baseball time. 
Here we go. Who is that guy cheering for our team Mm -hmm. behind the scene? Oh, that's Josh's grandpa. Well, what about that guy? Oh, well, he's retired. He's an old geezer now. Mm-hmm. But man, he's he's been around the world. He's you ought to talk to him sometime. Walk up to those coaches. Thank you so much for being involved. Go to the concerts. If that kid qualifies for for regional band, be there. Mm-hmm. Buy the brochure. Send a postcard. Congratulate the kid. Reach out, get outside of ourselves. I think the thing, Doug, that's the most perplexing for me as a Christian, we live for ourselves. What does this do for me? Mm. Dude, I'm born again. I'm going to heaven. My ticket is punched. It's not a question of what more can it do for me. It's a question of how many am I taking with me? How much influence of what God has given me? When I'm in that gymnasium, I'm at that ball field. I'm walking around that school praying for it, walking in my town, looking at the houses, praying for the people who live in those houses, calling on God to break through in that community. Brother, that's where we need to be as Christians today. There cannot be anything more demanding of our time than the eternal salvation of our neighbors and their children. There cannot be. If you don't like to walk alone, get a dog. Walk the dog around the neighborhood. Be sure to clean up after the dog. Don't make the neighbors mad. But I'm telling you, Doug, this is a day and age coming into springtime. There's not any reason why every street in America cannot be prayed for if the church will just, just get out of that building. We build buildings and expect them to come. They're not coming. They're not coming. Jesus did not say, build a building and they'll come to it. Never did, never did, never did. Mm. In fact, he said, I'm going to tear down the only building you have. It's going to be gone. Mm -hmm. Now let's get out there. Let's get out there and let's share the Lord. So we're going to work on how to share your personal testimony in 30 seconds or less. How to hear the key word or see the key expression coming to you that you can respond to. See, for example, tattooed kids. Tattooed kids have got a history. There's a reason why they put that on their skin, mm-hmm. right? So instead of being put off by them, scared to death of them, calling them all demonic, sending the whole thing away, no, let curiosity, now watch out for the cat, because curiosity killed the cat, but sincerely say, hey, can you tell me the story behind that image? I mean, if it means enough to you, to have a permanent place on your body, then it must have some meaning to you. Mm -hmm. So please, I mean, you don't say all that, but hey, cool tat, never saw one like that. Where'd you get it? You know, what it, and let them start talking. Meet them where they are. My latest, Doug, and you'll enjoy this because you enjoy kids. My latest is that nose ring through the the two nostril nose ring with a little doobie out the side. Mm. Why in the world would a beautiful child go and get one of those things stuck in their nose? See, I don't know. So I asked the question. I have the question. It's a legitimate question. Hey, excuse me. Where did you get that nose ring? Did it hurt when they put it in? How did you? And it engages kids in where they're at. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I'm saying. It, it engages, and, and then listen. I mean, and honestly, listen. And we're going to talk about this in this seminar. How to hear? How to hear from the Holy Spirit? How to keep your mind out of it and respond with the Word of God 
in phrases, not the King James with the numbers, please, but the word in the way that it is spoken to them. I think the I think chosen is fantastic. I thought the Jesus revolution was fantastic in reaching out, rekindling of fire, building curiosity. The campus revivals, like we were having here in Florida State, the campus revivals don't surprise me. As a prayer ministry, we went to all of the ACC campuses, the SEC, the Big 12, and the Big 10. And I've prayer walked every one of those campuses, 42 campuses in 40 days, Mm. with teams from those campuses, Fellowship Christian Athletes, Athletes in Action, and uh, uh, Crew. Uh, We did Crew, and we did InterVarsity, and we did anybody that would walk and pray with us on those campuses. Called ahead, say, we're coming down, we want to walk and pray. And I drove the whole of America and walked on those campuses. the, the brother Nagai, Chris Nagai from Florida State University wrote a phenomenal book, How to Host a Campus Revival from What Happened at Florida State. And so as these things are beginning to come alive now, we've plowed the field, we've sown the seed, and now we're seeing the, the first, you know, first the blade, then the year, then the full harvest will appear. And we're believing, I mean, God. You know God personally. God is going to do a great work. Doug, God is at work all the time, and and I am thrilled. So bring it all down. We're going to do Friday night and Saturday to as many people as who will come out to equip them, to equip them. This is not an intellectual debate with dead philosophers. I mean, you cannot win in a debate with Socrates because Socrates is dead and gone a long time ago. Mm. You can't keep batting in the air with these things. But with the love of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and the word that will never be changed, you can speak love into that young heart and you can watch them be born again. And Doug, I'll tell you right now, there is nothing more exciting than seeing the eyes of a young person when that light comes on and they are born again. Oh, or if you're from one of the streams that everybody's saved and they get saved through water baptism when they're an infant, fine. And seeing that light in their eyes when they realize a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Doug, we're living in a great day. And so we've come to Tallahassee to fan the flames, Speak into it. Equip as many people as will come. We're to basically teaching missions, basically, but missions for America. Well, all right. I'm going to have another turn in this conversation, and we're going to talk about prayer. And I'm going to ask you this question, which is, uh, how can you connect cause and effect? Why invest the time in prayer? And I you let, think about that answer for a second. I'll remind our listeners, we're talking with Mark Geppert, and he's doing a seminar at Tallahassee Christian College and Training Center, which is this evening and tomorrow, Friday and Saturday. And you can find more information on their website, tcctc.org. But we're here with Mark Geppert. And uh, if you just uh, check out Mark Geppert, you'll find that information for this seminar. But Mark, I know that you really believe in prayer. You founded the Southeast Asia Prayer Center. You have a very disciplined prayer life yourself. Spent a lot of time in prayer. There's a lot of people who don't spend a lot of time in prayer. They don't know how to do it. They feel awkward doing it. They feel like they're talking to the ceiling. Or even if they do kind of connect with God and feel his presence, 
they still might feel like, well, what good did it do? You know, the pastor said spend an hour in prayer and I actually did. But everything seems the same when I'm done, except for, you know, maybe I feel a little closer to God. But, you know, I could have felt that in five minutes. What is the whole point of actually spending time in prayer and how does one go about it effectively? Okay. A very good question and one asked by a whole lot of people. Uh, first of all, cause and effect is Old Testament. Hebrew is truth and consequences, cause and effect. It, the Hebrew is an active language. So what you do causes an effect. There's a consequence to action and choice. That's law. That's Hebrew. God chose Greek for the New Testament. Greek is a passive language. In a passive language, someone else does something and it impacts you. So Jesus was the sacrifice for our salvation. Old Testament law, New Testament grace. So the third party action. So when you pray, you're talking to the and listening to the only one who can actually change things. You can't. You can't. And people who try to tell God what to do and expect him to do it, he won't. And you can't. Because if you can tell God what to do and he'll do it, we should worship you because you control God. You have God on a string. And when you try that approach, it doesn't work. And so you get frustrated. Well, the problem can't be you. It has to be God, right? Or you become self-critical, analytical, and condemn yourself and say, well, God would never listen to me. The problem is you've been taught wrong. You've been taught cause and effect in a day of grace. Having said that, let's say this. When I approach the Lord, I approach to listen. Since the will of God is much greater than my will, and since God knows the end from the beginning, it is pointless for me to try to direct him in what to do. That, that nullifies it. So I take a legal pad. It's the only legalistic thing about me, Doug. I take a legal pad. I turn on a little bit of worship, right? Something not, not real, but I move around through different worship streams because all success in the spirit realm flows forth from an atmosphere of praise and worship. And we have some great music out there. Plus, we have some of the old music. Plus, we have some just instrumental music. I put a little music on, right? And then I just focus on the Lord. I say, Lord, such as I am, here I am. What would you like to do? For whom shall I pray? For what shall I pray? Instead of coming to God with a list, I come to God with a blank sheet of paper and a pen, time set aside, cup of coffee, a little bit of toast, just sit there, right? And people, people's names start coming to me. Mm -hmm. People I have known, places I have been, situations that I don't really know any details about. I mean, to sit there for 20 minutes and tell God details on a heart transplant <laughs> is ridiculous. He knows if the person's going to live or not. God made the heart. He knows more about that. That's crazy. Well, God, you know that Iraq is poised against Iran, and you know, of course he knows all that. He also knows what it's going to look like 20 years from now. 
So it's stupid, if the pardon the, but it is to sit there and try to tell God what to do is ridiculous. So I sit there and say, okay, how are we praying for this? Now, our ministry, right now, the SEAPC, Southeast Asia Prayer Center, we're involved in 162 nations. We're not involved in politics in those nations, including this nation, America. We're, we're in a different, we work for a king. He has a kingdom. We work for him. We speak into this. But we are his. We're not aligned with any political movement. Okay, so I write down on the legal pad, whoever comes to mind. And I write it down and pray for them. Then I write down the next one, pray for them. Then I might write for a country, you know, whatever, whatever comes to mind. And as I'm waiting on the Lord uh, and to, to get my list, my prayer list, my goodness, we, he cares about an awful lot of people. And he'll be, he'll bring to my, to my thinking, he'll bring like different pastors, situations. I don't want to neb in their churches. I don't want to know, but I want to pray for them. Lord bless them. I speak a blessing on them and I, you know, and pray for them. And, uh, and I am, uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I do pray in tongues. And so I'll be praying in tongues, and I'll pause. And then when the burden lifts off, I'll go to the next one. And I just let the Lord build my prayer list each day. Uh, and when it's done, it's done. I mean, it, you know, it's done. It's done. And then move on to Bible study. I get into, then I do my study time. And then I have, a, uh, so that's how I stay in in communion with in contact. And Doug, I would be remiss if I didn't say that when I go into the place that I have set apart for prayer, my friend Dick Eastman calls it a gap to stand in the gap. And he has in his house a little, like a walk-in closet that is his gap. Mine is considerably larger. We built a room in our basement that is the gap. So I go in there, turn on my tunes, right? And, and wait, for the presence. I'm into the presence. And in my life, there is a, a feeling we can feel the presence of God. Our, our, our flesh cries out for the presence of God. We can know his, his touch, his hand upon us. And so uh, I'm in it for the presence. And I'll tell you, uh, not to sound totally freaky, and but honestly, it's the presence that I crave. And I, when I am in, in my prayer time, uh, it's, it's timeless. Man, I'm in the presence. We're talking. And he's saying what's on his mind. And I'm agreeing with him for the benefit of those situations. I do not try to direct God in anything. He is God. He knows infinitely more than I do about anything. And I am so humbled, Doug, so humbled to even be in his presence. I qualify only by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm very well aware that I, no flesh, will glory in his presence. And, and to think that the creator of the universe Almighty God, who measures the universe in the span of his hand, he who said, let there be, and there was, takes the time to include me to say, here, think about these people, pray for these people, pray for this situation. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession. That's his job today. 
the Holy Spirit moving all over the earth. Jesus in the presence, right hand, and I am in him at the right hand of the creator of the entire universe. Brother, what an honor. What a humbling privilege it is to know Jesus Christ, that as a result of his third-party action, grace, New Testament, that he has chosen to include us in his purpose. And then I listen for directives. Uh, Call this person. Send a text to this person. Send a financial gift to this person. Watch for this person. And as I'm praying for people, then then what... (laughs) When I go to the gym to the basketball games, you know, I know who was on the list that day, right? Mm. It's amazing. People I haven't seen for 20 years happen to be in that gym. Mm. And that morning, they were on my list given by God. And 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 the anointing, the 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 flow of the Holy Spirit, the love, if you will, that comes out of me to them is definitely not born of me mm-hmm. or my decision. It's coming right out of that that prayer room. And so we are daily effective in the lives of people that we see. It's, I mean, Doug, this is a relationship. When I was young, I traveled quickly. My guiding word was go to this city or that city, go where I send you, and I'll meet you there. And when we connect, this is what the Lord spoke to me, 1985. Go where I send you, and when we connect, I'll send government-changing revival. Mm. I said, where am I going? You're going to go to Beijing, get on the train, go to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, continue through Russia, through Siberia, into Moscow, Berlin, Warsaw, and come out through Rotterdam. The next trip, come out through Finland. We are seeing tremendous moves of the Spirit of God in those countries right now. And all those hours in the presence on those trains, looking at the people, talking to God, looking to God, talking to the people, is bearing multiplying fruit around the world. So long answer, short question. That relationship, I I think the worst thing that ever happened to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is to make it a religion. Mm. Uh, I honestly, uh, I mean, I, I understand the history coming through the dark ages, Catholicism, keeping the faith alive. I, I, I understand. And I respect that. But religion just doesn't get it, Doug. We're talking about personal relationship mm-hmm. with religion. You go to church to get with relationship. You go to church to give. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's that simple. Mm-hmm. And I've been around religion, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam. I've worked in the midst of these people, love these people. I've seen religion. I've seen religion. Mm-hmm. Grace, that's a whole nother ball game, brother. That's a whole nother ball game. That he died for me. Mm-hmm so that I could be ushered into his presence and fellowship with him with the things that are on his mind. 
Come on, man. So in your experience, have you seen any pastors move their congregation, their local church, from being more religious to walking with God, each individual in a relationship? You know, I've seen a lot of people try. When we went to contemporary worship and got away from the liturgy, instead of finding the presence in the liturgy, we changed the liturgy. Now, those churches then became as liturgical Mm. as the previous church was. So casting off that religious spirit is a very, very difficult thing within church context. Now, today, uh, where there's a lot of discussion about new wineskins. The heroes of the last revival are all passing away. And now, of course, you had the next generation, so new wineskins. But we have found that rather than new wineskins, we're looking at generational synergy so that each new generation has their own expressions. They are not going to do things the way we did things right? Mm-hmm. There are a lot of illustrations why. They're, they're, going to, they're going to express themselves in their expression. So if we synergize with them, then we make sure that we have imparted the core values, the word, the spirit, fellowship, communion, baptism, those, those core values that are essential, Right? And then they express the way they want to express. Now, the danger is, like with the, with many of the books, Barna's books on house churches and so forth, where you come into the crunch is, if you all start as a nice, friendly group in a house, sooner or later, you're going to need somebody to lead the singing, and that can become your worship department. History repeats itself. <laughs> and so, and then the kids, what are you going to do with the kids? And then you have to have financial accountability, so then you have to have somebody handling the offerings, and lo and behold, you become exactly what you said was wrong. Mm-hmm. Huh? Why? Because it's still an organized religious activity. That comes to a root of thought, Doug. Uh, in, in this root of thought, you have to, there are two kinds of people. One kind of people within the context of the body of Christ. One kind of people sees themselves as human. So when they analyze themselves and fall short of some religious goal, their expression is, I'm only human. Mm-hmm. So we are only human. I mean, after all, we are only human. You hear it? Oh, I mean, we could be that good, but we are only human, right? So they see themselves as human having a Sunday morning or once a day or sometime spiritual experience. And that's one group. Then there's another group of people who see themselves as born again. So now they are grafted into an eternal vine. So they were known in Christ before the foundations of the earth. They will be known in Christ after whatever happens at the end of the earth or their life or whatever when the end comes. The, the, that pause comes for transition. Okay, so they see themselves as a spiritual being currently having a human experience. I, of course, identify with the latter, love the former, can't stand the religion, Mm. can't stand. I'm telling you, uh, 
it, it just is, it's just preposterous that the announcements, the announcements should be longer than the worship hmm. is absurd. You talk about liturgy gone wild. To leave your first love, which is the presence of God, for the second love, which is the love of your neighbor. If you don't love the Lord with your whole heart and strength in your first love, and you abandon that to be a good guy in town and love the neighbor, then you fall right in the book of Revelation. You've left your first love. Hmm. And, and, and uh, that's largely what's happened with religion. But the reason why is because people don't understand grace. They are trying to earn salvation through merit. Protestants and Catholics both. Orthodox and, and charismatic both. Or try, how many demons did you cast out this week? <laughs> None. Jesus provided deliverance for people. You know what I'm saying? It's like you get another notch on your belt. You know, mm. I did some, all these competitive, comparis, comparative thoughts. Mm. It's all religious spirit. The fact of the matter is, none of us qualifies. Only the blood of Jesus Christ speaks out before the Father. By his grace, we are saved. And by his love, we are included in the master plan of mm. God for mankind and become instruments of righteousness in the communities in which we live. And so that there's another long answer, short question. <laughs> but uh, I tell you that, that in America right now, in America right now, brother, we are on the verge of a surge. We, I, I admire these kids so much. That they're standing up, man. And they're saying, I don't want religion. I'll, you know, I'll go down to a stadium. I'll be with 80,000 people in a stadium, right? But don't ask me to go and sit through a totally boring talking head service, mm -hmm. especially at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, man. I'm beat. <laughs> and, and so, you know, it, 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 it's becoming a, a life, a lifestyle. Not a life choice, that's new age. It's becoming a lifestyle where the love of Jesus Christ and the word of Jesus Christ is become a lamp and a light. And 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 we're throwing off humanism. It, it, you can justify any action with humanistic thought. If it makes you happy, I'll do it. So girls give themselves outside of marriage to make him happy. And that's all humanistic thought. That's after 1962. Situational Ethics, The New Morality is the name of the book. It was released in 1966. It was embraced through Harvard. It was embraced through the Ivy League schools. It then was taught to everybody who went to college. And you learn situational ethics. How do we determine what is right now? There is no God. It's, that's humanism. There is no God. Working together, we can grow to be, evolve to be the perfect human. There is no perfect human. Yeah, take a look at the Ukraine. There is no perfect human. Take a look at people, humans, bringing fentanyl in to give to school kids. There is no perfect human. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, you see. Also, humanism. There is no deity. There's no God who, when you call on him, is going to bail you out. Well, I have news. There is a God. 
He has a son. His name is Jesus, and you call on him, and he will bail you out. <laughs> he will. He, oh, my God. And, 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 and this has been fed, 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 fed into people, fed into people. Songs, expressions. Imagine there's no heaven. Imagine there's no hell. Imagine all the, all the just, just pounded into people. Well, one word, one word, love. Jesus will dispel it. Though this world with devil's filth should threaten to undo us, right? We will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The young contemporary artist in the 1400s, <laughs> Martin Luther. Mm-hmm. Come on, this is not new. This is a re- repetition. There's a repetition. It's a history. And he who doesn't study history is doomed to repeat it. And we are repeating it, man. But, but the good news is a generation, young people, is rising up, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And they will be filled. And that's what this seminar is about. I understand that in coming to TCCTC, I'm not speaking to university sophomores, which I would love to do. But I understand that I'm going to be talking to grandparents. I'm going to be talking to an older group of people because I are an older person. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be talking to these people. But we must never abdicate the influence that we have as parents and grandparents and give that exemplary training, speak a word, send a card. We must never abdicate that as long as we live because there is a group, our grandchildren are coming up, our children coming up and finding out that the humanism that they put their trust in is just vapor. And when the rubber meets the road, you need Jesus Christ. Doug, finish with this because I've, I've been on for an hour. <laughs> this, uh, here's the thing. I'm on the airplane yesterday talking to a fellow who's sitting near me. What do you do? He's in avionics. He's in, in the aviation industry. What do you do? I said, I'm a missionary. I've been a, a Christian missionary all my adult life. Oh, really? I said, yes. And this came to my mind. I said to him, you know, Where people work today, they all have the same question. Would my company, would my boss die for me? Mm. He said, yes. I said, mine did. Mine did. (laughs) My boss gave his life that I might have life. I'll serve him forever. With my last breath, I'll probably still be preaching the grace the love of Jesus Christ. So thank you so much for the, the time and getting to share with you. I don't get to, I don't get to see you often. <laughs> I enjoy it every time. All right. Well, thank you very much. That is Mark Geppert. And again, he's at Tallahassee Christian College and Training Center. We're recording this on a Friday, but you're hearing it on a Friday. And so it's tonight from 7 to 9 p.m. And then tomorrow from 9 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. And the actual seminar is called Addressing Relativism and Secularism, The Wisdom of the World and the Wisdom of the Word. It's a two-day seminar with Mr. Mark Geppert, who you've just been hearing from. Again, you can find more information on their website, tcctc.org. 
And uh, off in the distance there, you heard Joanne Arnett said, come early. So if it starts at 7, come. What time would you say come? 6, 6.45, if you haven't advanced registered. Okay. And uh, that's at Tallahassee Community College and Training Center, Tallahassee Christian College and Training Center. And for Wave 94, I'm Doug Apple. <laughs>